Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Erin. And I'm Daniel. And we're the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Three friends with professional scientific backgrounds. Talking about all things under the sun in the most digestible way. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. I believe this is episode 25 now. Wow, doesn't time fly? We're on the cusp of what seems to be a second lockdown here in the UK, so I'd just like to thank everybody who stuck by us through the trying times. I hope we'll manage to help preserve some sort of sanity of our content. So without further ado, I'd like to give a warm welcome to Jade, a very special guest. I know we say a special guest like every single time. You must be rolling your eyes by now, but truly she is a special guest. And she's here to discuss autism with us today. Like on your Instagram account and in social media, like you're quite vocal about... Uh... I'm not as vocal as I'd like to be, but I know it, I can be offensive if I was. So I kind of... It, uh... you, have, you have autism parents and you have like just autistic people and they have very different views a lot of the time. So it clashes, mm. so it kind of meet in the middle a lot of the time. Ah, okay. So, so as in like when you say autism, you mean their parents like so... have a different view? A lot of the time, uh, even with where I work, uh, the building next door to us is for autistic people who have learning difficulties and a lot of their stuff is sorted by their parents where the people that I work with, they're independent, they have their own lives and it's just completely different because the parents have this idea of what is best for them and sometimes it isn't. Uh, As in like they they want complete control? Yeah, well they think that they're sick and they need to fix them and it's like you just don't understand them. (laughs) Would you say there's a gap in knowledge between the parents and the actual person who has, yeah. you know, autism, where the parent views it as like a worse thing than it is, maybe? Or yeah, but there's, there's there's gaps everywhere, even in like council support and school support, where staff don't really understand autism, and they have very old-fashioned views that kind of went out of fashion in the 80s and 90s, and they mm. still think that's how it is, and there's no training to fix that so it just continues with poor practice and then mm. things like ABA come into play not as much here as in America but you still have places like ambitious about autism which is basically training a person like to be like a dog which is ridiculous what's ABA um, yeah, it's applied it? behavior analysis so they're okay. kind of training people not to do behaviors that are natural to them and to act in a certain way and they get a reward so it might be food or it might be uh, an iPad or whatever they want Oh, okay, yeah. like positive reinforcement sort of strategy, yeah. I guess. But like, your, I guess your opinion is that, well, there's nothing, why should they act whatever they can conceive as normal? Unless know? someone's hurting themselves or hurting someone else, there's nothing wrong with some of the behaviours. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. I agree with that. But to just expand on, so you said that a lot of people are kind of, they don't know much about what autism is. Could yeah. you tell us maybe what is autism? Just to start off, like just generally speaking, what is your understanding of autism and so on? It's just, I think slightly differently to other people. I might have special interests. Mm-hmm. I might struggle with certain sits- like social situations. I struggle with maybe some sensory things. Some people are hypersensitive. And some people are hyposensitive and it varies. So for me, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to sounds, touch. I, yeah, I just, I prefer being on my own because I find it a bit overwhelming, like in crowded places and stuff. But it mm. really depends on the person. There's other people where they, they like, like maybe like a weighted blanket because they like all the pressure on their body where for me, it would freak me out. It, there's so many parts to it. It can affect like your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You can, it can like play into PTSD. It can then be linked with other neurodiversity, so like, such as like ADHD or other mental health conditions like 
bipolar and stuff it depends on the person it, it's such a broad thing now and I think just like how it's been diagnosed it it's not great because people go through mental health services first usually because it's like mm. a two three year wait for a diagnosis if you're lucky enough to get that so they say that it's uh it's kind of a spectrum with autism it, would you agree with that statement and no. what, what is meant by that <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of times people think you've got like low functioning where they've got to learn difficult and you've got high functioning so probably someone like me who has gone to uni has a job and just manages but how you see me maybe now or at work I'm fine but then I'll go home and have a meltdown mm. I still have the same struggles I'm just better at hiding it maybe than someone else mm. so I don't it's it's people like maybe have maybe have like certain points in their profile that are really spiky in a certain area and other bits that aren't so it just every person is completely different there's it's not really a spec a straight it's not in a straight line it's like a circle with loads of bits that spike out in different areas mm. uh, you you mentioned how uh, when it comes to the diagnosis aspect of of autism that sometimes it takes two to three years for somebody to get actually diagnosed if that um I- I've been trying since I was 17 and I only got it this year because I went privately. Oh, okay. Well, what do you so, think leads to that sort of issue of you taking so no, long? Um, there's no funding in the CCGs, so they can't afford to diagnose like loads of people. Um, mm. Sorry, and, what's the CCG? Just for... um, it's to do with the NHS, so it's where funding comes from. Um, and it links to the local authorities. So if your borough doesn't have enough money, and as well, all the North London boroughs are sending everyone to South London, so then they've got too many people on their waiting list. Mm. So it just takes forever. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, so like, what, what got you on the journey, though? At what point did you say to yourself, oh, you know, like, I, I want to find out, like, I, I guess, did you know you had autism, but I guess you were waiting for a diagnosis of something. I mean, I what, what was the journey it. for you? I think I was in, like, in school and stuff I always knew like I didn't really fit in but I couldn't quite figure it out and then I, I found out my uncle was autistic and then there were just other things from other autistic people my family members knew and it was like oh I'm like that as well and then I tried to get a diagnosis but because I'm a girl they thought that I wasn't so I've been trying trying over the last couple of years and then every time I kind of get into a point get to a point where I have like a bit of a mental breakdown I go back to the doctor and it just they nothing happens or they refer me to the wrong place and it just it, is it was autism, just sorry. is autism more prevalent in the males and females because you commented it's, because it's you're a girl to you're I, I think because originally it was mainly diagnosed in males and the criteria oh, fit okay. men more than they fit women so they don't um, notice it as much in females but it's the same probably if it was diagnosed properly in women you'd find it yeah. probably as equal would you it's say that you were misdiagnosed in that period so you said they yeah. sent you to other places where they're giving you yeah. like incorrect diagnosis for other stuff. Um, I went onto CAMS and they said that I had depression, anxiety and PTSD. And then I got a dyslexia and a dyspraxia diagnosis. And I don't fully think I have those. Mm. But I, when people describe dyslexia, I'm like, that's not me. And so I, I think that was all a misdiagnosis now when I look back. Yeah, when you originally mentioned some of the kind of symptoms of having autism, you did mention the depression or the, you know, the effects it can have on PTSD and so on. So maybe they were kind of trying to diagnose the symptoms rather than the actual root problem, which yeah. which obviously was autism, which they didn't do. And you mentioned you went to private instead. It's a, um, and also diagnosing autism is a lot more expensive than diagnosing like depression or something. Mm. 
we um, went to the same school obviously and uh, mm -hmm. you kind of mentioned how in school you just felt like maybe you didn't fit in or whatever uh, we yeah. we obviously never thought of you as having you know any anything outside I of think, i don't want to say outside of the normal but you know we didn't think yeah, you had I don't autism think most but... people most people wouldn't think it even now like i spoke to someone i used to work with and he was like i didn't know you had a disability you don't look disabled i'm like I, of course i don't know <laughs> so like what would you recommend to both teachers and maybe other students in how they approach somebody who may have a disability or what to look out for is there anything to look out for i mean I mean, everyone's different, but if you see someone who's struggling to like maybe socialize with other people, just like mm. go and try and talk to them. And maybe that they, they like have special interests and they struggle to make conversation about other topics, but just try and like get to know their topic. And then eventually that will build up a little relationship and then you'll be able to have a friendship. Mm. And I think for teachers, it's don't, I think don't assume that everyone's like a set type of autistic person if you do think you've got someone who's autistic in the class but just be supportive and try and figure out what works for them and be creative with the support that you will put in place and it's about like going to the senko going to the local authority and just hounding them until they give the, the young person what they need because mm. i've worked in colleges for a couple of years and the support is ridiculous especially if you're autistic and you don't have any other disabilities or anything you don't get support so it is literally arguing with people until it's put in place, which is really sad because then you see how much that affects people in their studies and people dropping out of uni and dropping out of college and getting involved in other things like gangs and stuff because it seems like a better option. Would you, I mean, I, I don't know if this is just me assuming, but I, I went to school with someone in primary, for example, who now I know is autistic because I've stayed in touch with them. Um, mm. but he had the kind of touch thing where if, if anybody touched him, he would, he would get violent, basically. He, yeah. he, he would get triggered by it. And, uh, you know, at the time I remember there would be like five big men carrying this little, you know, eight, nine year old kid dragging him through the halls and they saying, Oh, he's yeah. acting up sort of thing. And there was a very, there was a huge lack of knowledge. And then yeah. we saw where they started saying stuff like, Oh, he's ADHD or he's ADD or, you know, this sort of classification yeah. where, Oh, they just can't concentrate, which I guess is more of a, a diagnosis of the symptom than the actual cause of it yeah. in a way even, even with ADHD there are ways to manage it I was in a conference at the start of the week and like this woman she has ADHD and autism and she said that she struggles to focus on a task for a long period of time so she gives her two tasks that she can switch between so when she gets like fed up or bored of one she switches and it's about making those adjustments is that just because someone has any sort of disability they can still do it it's just having things in place and if they're not taught strategies, they won't be able to manage in adult life. But there's so many organizations now that even with work, you can get mentoring in work, you can get other support in work. If I want to wear my headphones at work, I can wear them. I can sit in a corner on my own. People will leave me alone. Mm. They, even before my interview for my job, they sent me the questions two weeks in advance so I could be ready for them. There's so many things that you can do to help other people. And sometimes it's just things that could help anyone. It's not, they're not crazy adjustments or anything. Yeah, it's not necessarily like you're going out of your way to do something specific for this person with this one disability when, as you mentioned, you know, ha allowing people to have their headphones in, allowing them to sit, you know, by themselves and just do their work isn't necessarily something that's going to bring your company to a halt. You know, it's, no. it's simple steps that can be taken, which unfortunately aren't taken at the moment. And there's government funding that covers all the like technology and stuff as well. So there's no mm. excuse really for people not to it's a bit different with schools because of how the funding works and people misuse the funding a lot of the time but with 
in work it, it, it should just be automatic but I, I want to ask like do you think I'm, I'm looking on a teacher's perspective maybe they don't have like the knowledge or the like the uh, the awareness of when to know oh this person has uh, or for example like you say this person may be autistic or etc do you think there needs to be like an external influence in schools to help train teachers to help them be aware um, they all have um, a senko or like a learning support they'll have someone that works there who will be in charge of anyone who has special needs and if they think someone has maybe a special need or a mental health difficulty they can go to that person and they provide the training and then they get training from the local authority that that school or college is in so it's they should it should just flow naturally yeah i guess the 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 limiting factor is the teacher actually recognizing that somebody isn't maybe just shy or isn't maybe just you know uh, Mm. doesn't want to talk but actually has something that needs to be you know taken care of in a in a way where as you said you go to the local person who then can pass you on to whoever could give the training required to that teacher but shouldn't the teacher already have that training in it like shouldn't that be built into the it should be i think they're trying to put it they're trying to put it into the pgce so that they have a a bit where they learn about special needs but i'm doing my pgc right now i'm the only i'm the only person who knows about special needs but it's just because that's what i've done for so Mm. long but um i think i think as well because there's been like quite a lot of off-rolling over the last couple of years as soon as something's not right they kind of push towards oh they shouldn't be here they should go to a different school they should be excluded and then or they get put in internal exclusion or whatever so it it start it just goes down the wrong route very quickly yeah, I don't agree with um, excluding people from normal society because once you leave school, there isn't a special place for anybody. So everyone has to like assimilate and be in the same workplace. So there's a special, special things put in place like you're allowed to do this and that. But yeah, I don't think excluding like bad behaviour students, putting them all in one like unit, I think you used to call it. You yeah. to just do their work. Yeah, I don't think, I don't agree with any of that for any reason. It just, it when you do that, it gets worse. They just yeah. get groomed by gang members who hang around outside. And yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, because you just isolate them, don't you? Like, once yeah. you do that, you exclude them from all learning. And then, yeah. like, there's nothing... What, what are they going to do after that if they're just, like, doing nothing? Well, obviously, they're going to go somewhere else. If the school's not engaging with them anymore, they're going to engage somewhere else. But... Off the top of my head, I can think of at least, like, four people that we all knew when we were younger that might have some sort of issue somewhere along the line which wasn't diagnosed and treated in the right way who ended up going down the, you know, the gang route because they mm. just weren't getting the grades in school. They weren't really being looked after. They were constantly in exclusion. And, you know, it's frustrating because you think, as you said, it's very difficult to get the diagnosis, but you actually went out of your way to try and get the diagnosis because you knew what you had. No one was listening to you. But then there's people who they, they don't even have a clue that they might have this sort of yeah. thing going and, on. And some cultures aren't as accepting of, Oh, disabilities yeah. as well yes, so then that the plays into one. it yeah but I, I can oh. think of one person who like he ended up in gangs dropped out of school it, mm-hmm. I think he was dyslexic and he maybe had something else but he um is in prison now doing seven years and he's yeah. our age and it's just because no one put support in place and he just kind of got left to his own devices yeah I mean of even if that person didn't have autism whatever the diagnosis of it is they clearly have some sort of issue somewhere along the line which just hasn't been treated or I don't even want to say treated it just hasn't been taken care of in the way that it should have been it's kind of a you know where do you start with this sort of thing how do you tackle this sort of thing I guess is the main main question I think I think that then I mean that kind of leads into what I'm doing at the moment so we're setting up a hub for autistic people and then we're trying to create 
um, an autistic friendly borough and then hope that other boroughs in North London will do the same. I know that I think Islington already has and I think Camden has, mm-hmm. but it's trying to make sure that shops are aware, like schools are aware, just people in general mm-hmm. are aware and then put in support in place to make sure people don't, that, that they aren't disabled by the things that they're struggling with and that we can give them the tools to then succeed. So that they, even if they come to us for like two sessions or 10 sessions or they come to us for a year, we give them the skills so they can go out and do what they need to do and they don't need support anymore. And they're not going in, they're not getting section, they're not going into the prison mm-hmm. service. They can get, a, they can have their own home, they can have their relationships, they can have their friendships, they can have hobbies and just be normal people. You know, what is the hub? What's it called? Where can they get in touch? What's the current status of it? Um, so we're you know. still setting up we don't have a name at the moment it's going to the councillor I think this week um, so it, it's going to be a hub for autistic um, adults and young people who don't have learning difficulties although we won't exclude someone who does have learning difficulties it's just our main focus is people who don't as they don't go through the normal social care routes and mm. get all the other services so we're going to be providing a range of different support we're starting up a steering group so autistic residents within Haringey can then say what they need from us. So we're looking at doing things like independent skills, like budgeting, even just like, like I know I don't open my post because I forget because my executive mm. functioning is awful. So things like that, um, if they want help getting into work, mentoring, if there's anything where they need help with their housing, like stuff with rent, even like talking to the doctor, getting to other services like speech and language therapy or counselling, we can help with anything really. It's just once we know what everyone wants, we'll start to put that in place. It's going to be virtual up until probably next year in January when our building opens and because mm-hmm. of Corona as well. But um, we will maybe do some face-to-face meetings with people who do need it. Put this forward, like, do you feel there's too much pressure on teachers to, f- to find everything? Like the classroom, I think about 30 people, 30 plus sometimes. I, I, do you feel classes are from... too big? they definitely are too big from t- i was teaching l- last academic year a group so they're, mm-hmm. they're gr- it's a group of students who have maybe like safeguarding issues mental health difficulties they've been kicked out of school yeah. they, they they're quite vulnerable in that sense and there were like 30 of them and i couldn't control them mm-hmm. so it's really hard to focus on the ones who need it because every five minutes yeah. someone is doing something they shouldn't be or walking out of the class mm-hmm. or some other student who's not in your group is coming into the class and disrupting it it's impossible and that's college age so they're like 18 yeah. 19 so i the, cl- the classes are way too big i know now they're about the size of eight which probably mm-hmm. is going to be a lot easier yeah mm-hmm. but it's hard for a, a member of staff to focus on that many people and I, I know from the learning support i had in the class i was teaching one learning support isn't enough but if that's all that's allocated with funding it's you have to deal with it yeah yeah, I guess that's yeah. more of an issue of uh, public s- school funding Money. than anything yeah. because, yeah. you know, when we were going to school, people were sitting in the sink like there's so many, there's not <laughs> enough, there's not enough seats in the class for the amount of students. They, I mean, you could be teaching yeah. like on a geography or something. Uh, yeah. You go in and there's, uh, there's what, I don't know, 20 seats, but there's 30 students. So they're all like huddling around tables and so on. So it's, yeah. it's like yeah. an ongoing issue with, in that aspect, I guess. I just feel like... <laughs> like decreasing the size of classrooms like would help in the long run for like not just identifying autism but also like children who are going through troubles at home bullying well like there's so many like societal problems with children and a teacher has to deal with all of this in the class while identifying everything while not being trained and i'm not like 
I'm not saying like oh, teachers' lives matter or something like that, whatever. But um, but yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of pressure. And the government's not really helping because obviously the money situation. And then yeah, it's, it all comes down to school, the money, yeah. isn't it? Because exactly. I remember when I remember I went to a private school for like it was like a charity math lesson, and mm-hmm. you it's insane. Like a teacher charity will be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have uh, math teachers in A levels, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to that. <laughs> Yeah, but when I went to the school, there was like 10 students to one teacher. It was crazy. Like, can you imagine? For us, it was like 40 students to yeah. one teacher. So obviously, they they pay for it. And it's to be fair, they, like they pay quite a lot. And so they get this quality. But um, I think just the, like when it comes to public schools, they're just strapped, especially in uh, London, where, you know, mm. like yeah, you just don't have enough teachers. Not enough space. Even, the college I was working at before, I know the job role that I left, they couldn't hire anyone for it. No one applied for it. They were actually getting other staff to suggest people for it because no one wanted to deal with it because the pay is shit and it's just a lot of work and mm. you, you get burnt out. So it's just not worth it. And it's and colleges pay better than schools a lot of the time. And this might be like a bit that. left field, but just because you kind of mentioned how your building was, you know, shut down because of COVID and so on as well. So I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about during this pandemic, Obviously, there's a lot of people who, for whatever reason, they don't want to wear a mask. And so they'll say, oh, no, no, I've got I've got a, a health issue. You can't ask me about it. And they won't wear the mask. A lot of these people don't have a health issue, but some obviously do. And most of the time it is something related to autism where they don't like the constriction of the mask on their face. And obviously yeah. they're exempt. How do you feel about people who use that as an excuse when they don't actually have any problems? And it's how does not, that affect you going forward? I mean, I, at the start, I really struggled to wear a face mask. I still struggle, but I found one that suits me, that it's really comfortable. But I, mm. I had people shouting at me and stuff. And it's because there's other people just buying fake IDs saying that they're exempt and thinking that's mm. okay. And then people do get, they get a bit funny about it. But I, I've been on the train a lot for like going to like different, thi- to different things for work and people don't wear them. And there's mm. argu- I always see arguments and stuff, but it does upset people when they're confronted but I think if the maybe like the sunflower lanyard or these badges you can get that are Mm. from disability charity where it says that you're exempt but if they're more widely recognized it would be better but then I've also seen this this government thing you can print out but now people are printing them out laminating them and selling them for like a fiver I was just about to mention that there's a so I got sent a link by someone who was like oh look look there's this uh, pdf you can download from tfl that says I'm exempt and you can just show it to the you know show it to whoever comes to ask you and they'll leave you alone but it's like if you're so easily accessible to everyone then obviously people who don't have the issues you know genuinely will act as if they do which is you know going to have a knock-on effect where somebody who genuinely can't wear the mask now is getting confronted on the tube, on the train, you know, wherever. Yeah. And they might not have the skill set to be able to deal with that confrontation, which then just leads to more problems. Yeah, I, I think I was, when I got confront, confronted about it, I was quite lucky that I just got angry. And I just, and, and I had an ex-student coming into the <laughs> shop at the same time who was also mm. autistic. So I just kind of, I told her about it. I explained that they need to let him and me not wear a mask. But afterwards I went and I contacted loads of radio stations and like, newspapers and just mm-hmm. had like a massive rant but it, it got noticed so it's but it's just I don't know like even now I was on the train the other day and someone started shouting at someone who worked for the train company who wasn't wearing a mask and he wasn't wearing it because he had asthma but like 
exactly yeah yeah so we we do have to be very careful for anyone maybe listening to this when okay of course we're all saying you should wear masks but there are genuine cases where people just can't wear a mask so you got to take that into consideration as well i guess yeah it's like in in specialist provision you can't wear a mask as a student because they're probably not they've been confused by that and it can upset them and so i know where i was working before we weren't allowed to wear masks we weren't allowed to wear gloves we had to just be normal even though we might be keeping t- two meter distance but a, a student with special needs can't keep two meters distance because they don't know what that is so yeah. it was very challenging um and then we ran out of like hand sanitizer we ran out of soap and it just ended up having to shut down because it just wasn't working at all so again another instance where the funding just isn't there i guess yeah i don't know how even like schools anyway I don't know how they're running right now it's insane but special schools I feel really bad for them because it's just Mm. not it's not safe you can't make it safe Mm. nowhere safe (laughs) yeah I don't want to say nowhere safe everyone you know (laughs) run run for the bunkers (laughs) (laughs) Jade I wanted to ask like okay barring school I guess now you're in a different phase of your life um like how does it affect you uh like for example for work or obviously we spoke about travel in this circumstance but like day-to-day how would it like just for me to understand like how the autism would affect you on a day-to-day basis it it varies so some I, and i've been okay for the last couple of weeks but sometimes i'll have a day where i can't do anything like i have no energy but i can't and it's, it's which is burnout and i just i can't even be bothered to like get a drink and i won't drink sometimes anything because i'm just sitting there and i don't want to move but then there's other days where I'll be fine. I'll, I could even be like, I could even, I could go into like hyper focus where I would literally sit doing like something I'm really interested in or working and forget that I've been sitting at a computer for eight hours. Like it, it varies, but most of the time I'm okay. I might just get a bit burnt out or if um, I don't understand something or like something changes last minute, I might get quite anxious and I might get upset, but usually I can manage it. Um, mm-hmm. I think since I found out I've been better and then um, counselling as well has helped me to kind of work on my communication, especially with like my partner and stuff. Cause that's like, a, I, like I'm glad I'm not dating anymore. Cause that was a whole another challenge, challenge, like the communication of that and trying to like work out like the social boundaries of people. Mm. That was awful. Should have been in our relationship pod um, a couple of weeks ago. We didn't really interested. Yeah, true. That would have been quite yeah. interesting. <laughs> Um, so I, I noticed you got a, a support dog. Yeah, well, he's, he's not qualified yet. He's going to start, he's starting to learn at the moment. And then Aww. I'm going to enter him into a assistance dog program. So probably mm. in like a couple, maybe like a month or so, he should be able to do his assessment to get into that. But it will be so if I do get upset, he will come and distract me from being upset and get me to focus on him. Mm. And I get quite anxious going out. Um, one, just because I'm, I'm an anxious person, but also because I, I do have PTSD from a couple of like assaults and stuff. So he's going to help me with those sort of things as well. Is that something you would, um, you know, getting a support dog, is that something that you would um, suggest to people who are maybe, you know, newly finding out or newly being diagnosed, who don't really know what steps to take? Would you, would you suggest that for somebody in that situation or somebody who's maybe tried everything else a bit further down? I think maybe I would do your research because it's not, it's not the most simple process um mm. there are charities that do provide support dogs but it's really hard to get one um so it's easier to then own a train or find a company that will train your own dog but even yeah. then it's, it's costly and i mean right now he's not perfect he's <laughs> i've had him a week so he yeah 
he's still like running around dragging pee pads around and just being a little a little idiot basically but <laughs> eventually like because he's a, he's quite a smart breed of dog I'm hoping that he will start to pick up things more and more and be able to go out going to the shops going to trains and then mm. even maybe I, w- I would like that when I go into work I can show other autistic people that this could be an option for them mm. but I think it's just knowing how much work is it's not a walk in the park and the puppy is hard work and it's knowing that first and that they do need a break they can't just work constantly yeah it's like I guess when they say you know dog's not just for Christmas most people get yeah. just a regular dog and they don't you know look at how much work needs to be put in to actually look after a dog and then you know they end up abandoning you or whatever and I guess if you have a support dog you have to do certain extra things on top of what is normally expected yeah. for for and a not dog, every as dog is. can do it that's the other yeah. thing yeah. Uh, there's actually a dog down my park who failed the class uh, and so they couldn't they couldn't give him to you know a person who needed him because he'd failed the class so just some random guy yeah no he was some sort of yeah he was some sort of went in some sort of therapy school I guess I don't know if they go to school but um he couldn't pass it a little uh, golden retriever and Mm. they uh, they ended up just giving him to you know this elderly man who had just lost his dog so yeah. I just see him walking about all the time. He's quite a well-behaved dog, but it's not easy to get your dog to go through the classes and whatnot. Yeah. As well, so that, you know, my I guess... friend, my friend's training a guide dog at the moment, and they've had him for like a year or so, and he's scared of cars, so he can't <laughs> take someone out who's blind. But um, it's if you can put in the work, and it's a good companion as well. I, I'm on my own a lot of the time because of my partner's job, so it's just something else to be around and for company as well but yeah that's definitely something I noticed with my dog it helps it really does help to have a you know companion with you you don't really feel loneliness once you have something there with you all the time extend past dogs like and they get like cats that makes sense some people they do use other animals I think dogs are just easier because there's in the quality that you can take a dog into a store you can have a dog in a taxi and no one can refuse you so the, the law around it um is there where I don't think you could probably bring your cat into a supermarket <laughs> in the same way. You know what? It's actually um, interesting that Dan brought that up because uh, kind of like with the masks, uh, you know, there's people who will be like, oh, this emu is my support animal, so I have to take him on the plane. <laughs> emu? And they took, a, they took a hamster on a plane because it was their support animal or something yeah, so then like a couple years ago. Bro, do you know how big an emu is? Like no, no, I know, but I, I, I could swear, I could swear I saw somebody do that, like I read a news article where they, where, you know, again, it's a similar situation where people are kind of, you know, just using this disability as like a, a, a front mm. to turn around and be like, oh, this animal, which I, you know, isn't a support animal, I want to take him on the plane. So how do I do it? Okay, I'll just buy like a, you know, one of those things yeah. to put around them that says support animal and oh it's my support animal i've got to take you onto the plane and oh, next thing you know the guy turns up with we an ostrich saying you know people will take liberties that's that's the human nature people yeah, they will, yeah that's true yeah. it's like the people with disabled badges uh, yeah taking up parking spaces yeah and even with support dogs there's a page that literally calls out fake support dogs because people do do it yeah exactly um, yeah but you have to, there's certain training things you have to be able to do with your dog before you can be taken into a supermarket without permission and things mm. like that. It's just not as widely, the information is not widely available on the internet. You have to really search to find out everything about it. 
I guess it kind of all stems from with the masks, with the support animals. It kind of stems from, you know, when you say, oh, this person has, let's say, autism, uh, you can't just look at them and go, oh, yeah, you know, I can tell straight away. It's not a physical yeah. thing, really. So most of the time, people can just get away with saying they have it if they don't and try to get away with certain things because yeah. it's something that you can't actually, you know, physically see. You, you wouldn't yeah, be able to tell. Um, and like, you know, that, and now just, again, I'm taking a bit left once more, but, you know, with... Um, the way it's represented in the media when you say you know autistic people automatically think of uh, rain man you know arbed mm. from community uh, you know these yeah. other somewhat comedic somewhat you know extravagant characters but the reality of it i don't think is that it's way a lot of right? the time like i i know there's i know autistic people who aren't like they're not really smart and like a genius with computers they wouldn't even touch a computer i know people mm. who, who won't go, leave their house because everything makes them anxious like everyone's so different then there's other people who are so social and they just love being around people and then mm. they have their special interests and they have all their friends and it, it, it depends everyone's just you're different and i think people forget it and they think of the stereotypes and they look at like the google definition of autism and they think that's it and it's mm -hmm. it's not even some of these like people that talk at these autistic national autistic society like conferences and write all these books like they kind of get it but it's quite old-fashioned still and some of them are people that I would have referenced like maybe two three years ago but now I've started to really like understand myself and meet other autistic people I realize it's not it's not accurate and yeah, it's, it's like, not like a broken leg you can't just be like okay this is a broken leg and this is how you treat it and this is what it calls it blah blah i mean it's yeah. as you said different for every single person who has it yeah and it's not just, like people think autistic people don't have empathy but uh, i know about myself and other people i know with the most empathetic people you ever meet it's just the way we display empathy is different we're trying to find solutions rather than mm. go oh they're there like they, we're Ooh. trying to help in a different way and that's why sometimes it's missed I guess this is the neurodiversity kind of, I don't, I don't want to say problem or issue, but like, it's kind of like, how do you diagnose a, for example, like autism? I mean, do they just look at a, like a set of behaviors and it's kind of tick box? Oh yeah, tick, 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 you're Basically, autistic. I had like three um, like sheets of tick boxes or where it goes like very likely, unlikely, and I just had to tick it off and like, I gave it to them and I scored really high on how autistic I was. And then I had like a two hour like video call and they said I was autistic mm. and they just asked me some questions about like little things that I did like if I had speech and language hmm? it's just I don't know it doesn't doesn't feel right that you should tick boxes but I don't know how you would test people for autism I think I guess talking that's to that's them would be the first step rather than I think so. you feel like there's a way choice. to improve that like do you feel there's a way to improve how to diagnose people with autism or is a tick yeah. box method is I mean, it, when you read if you ever read it it's some of it is like we'll eat worms it's like i'm a 25 year old woman how am i gonna pick up worms yeah they're just some of them are just really like stereotypical from yeah. back like maybe 100 years ago and it's just wow. yeah i mean i don't know if this is again to do with i, I don't want to keep bringing it back to funding but like um somebody i know who has depression was mm. sent to uh, you know so-called specialist under the nhs and again it was a tick box sort of thing where they just you know gave her a list and said tick you know on a scale of one to five you know how much you feel the following statements and then you yeah. know you fill out the boxes but it's like realistically without actually sitting there and having a 
deep discussion with the person trying to understand how they view the world or how can you really just from a tick box because I've done a whole bunch of like you know when you see online where it's yeah. like oh find out which celebrity you're most like you know when you do stuff like that you 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 can you can take whatever you don't you might not mm-hmm. necessarily be able to correctly tick those boxes I mean I don't and know on a scale com- of one to five but if you're if you're not comfortable or you don't want pe- other people to know certain things or your family to find out so people will kind of cover things up and maybe not say oh yeah. I self-harm or I do this or mm. I, I know loads of people that, that do that and now suddenly they've just been diagnosed with like four different things because they've been covering it up like their whole life and mm. they've been through loads of different like NHS services and counsellors and all sorts of stuff and no no one's picked it up even though if you look back even like my sister I looked at her school reports and you can see from like nursery it's obvious she has ADHD and the Mm. behaviors everything is there but no one said oh maybe we should look at that and it's just got missed even though it was like severe in the end I mean I guess this might be like an ethical uh, minefield but like for example would you say maybe uh, with somebody who's a bit younger who's struggling with these sorts of things they should be able to speak to the doctor without an adult present because as you said you know if you have your parent there and the doctor asks you for example do you self-harm you might not want to tell you know the doctor in front of your parent just because of the way society is you know unfortunately there yeah. is a lot of stigma around these things yeah. so I think they should have the opportunity to disclose and to to then also be able to advocate. I, obviously, I understand if they're a young person, sometimes parents do need to know certain things, but also yeah. it's about, if they're on the older side, like of a young person, like 18, 19, they can make their own decisions. And then that's mm-hmm. when support can just help them directly without their mum or dad or whoever's looking after them. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I've, I've got a question. Like, like, where do you draw the line? I mean, I don't know how they draw the line, but like, how do they draw the line between like, let's say a kid with a lot of energy compared to someone with ADHD I mean like basically what I'm trying to say is how do they determine at what point because it's not like a broken bone you know you know a broken bone when you see a broken bone but I guess yeah. with like neurodiversity it's just uh, it's, it's it's not a so box thing where it's just like do you have this trait do you have this trait okay you have mm. all these traits but then if I was now I've started to learn more about ADHD because of my sister then there's there's traits of that that link in with autism there's traits of that that link in with bipolar so then how do you know which one it really is is it all of them is it none of them you don't Mm. know yeah my 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 worry would be like let's say if they are uh if if if, let's say the boundaries are quite wide and they Mm. overdiagnose it and this leads to medication or etc which is a lot i think in the yeah in the us i think is an even bigger situation to be honest um it's just yeah. like it's one of those subjects where like how do you, how does a doctor get that right at what point do you determine this person has an actual uh neurodivergent i, 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 think, I don't know what the word is especially in um america though i think because they had the eugenics movement like what, like 100 mm-hmm. years ago so then it plays into that a lot still Definitely. and just ta- i think maybe like just before we were born they were still like sterilizing people with disabilities so they're they're not that far forward and they think they, they still want to like put people in like asylums and stuff like that. It's not. There is a definite racial bias with these kind of, um, especially yeah. in schools, especially at young ages where, you know, a student might be coming from a different background and the teacher just can't relate to the student in any way and says, oh, this kid's got ADHD, whatever. And next thing you know, you're treating someone for something that they just simply do not have. Yeah. And, and you know, that can go on to have terrible effects for that 
person growing up because not only are you treat, are treating them for something that you don't have, the treatment that you're giving isn't a helpful one. As in, yeah. you're just saying, let's throw some drugs at this child who we've determined is, you know, has ADHD just because, I don't know, he, he spoke a different language quite consistently in school or something like that. You know, where the teacher just can't get the kid to be quiet, for example, and just, oh, this kid yeah. doesn't listen, he can't pay attention. Next thing you know, he's a fully grown adult being treated for something he doesn't have his whole life. Yeah. You know, that, that is an unfortunate, I guess, side effect of of all of this and the lack of knowledge on this topic, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that maybe uh, in terms of the way that, you know, teachers and people generally react to these things, would you say that maybe more training has to be done in the home as well? Of Because uh, in the very beginning, the first thing you said was about uh, parents. Yeah, I... I think there's just so much stuff online and a lot of it isn't it's like people think that vaccinations cause autism and it, it's just oh there's, my so God, many, yeah. there's so many different things that it's confused if I was a parent and I didn't know any better it's confusing and you take to the internet and there's other people who will spread things that aren't true but I think I know I spoke to a woman from um, Harrow and she runs a center for ADHD and autism and they do classes for parents and classes for people who are like young people who are now starting to discover that they're autistic and maybe their parents didn't explain it properly when they were younger so that they can really understand like their child or who they are and all those sort of things yeah this whole uh, myth about the vaccines and autism actually stems from one paper there was one paper published once that said there was like a 0.0 something percent chance of increased autism amongst uh, children who had been given vaccines which yeah. was later discredited and the people who wrote it actually came out and apologized and said that they had made a mistake. It's been absolutely discredited, but such is uh, science and such is uh, media over-exaggeration yeah. that that's the one paper that people keep referencing when they say that vaccines yeah. cause autism. It's just not the Another case. Another one that says that like, you can cure autism to, like, to do with someone's stomach and it's like, no. no. Yeah, <laughs> what you can't. I mean... <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> This is the thing. I mean, it's a lot of pseudoscience and a lot of, uh, you know, oh, I saw it on Facebook that gets kind of, yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is the thing. Fake news is just, you know, this well, is like an example of fake news. Like gluten free can cure it and stuff. Like eating gluten and I, I like pasta. Let me eat my pasta. It's not going to make me more or less. <laughs> this is the like. thing. I mean, if, if you eat a good diet, of course it will help you out, you know, with your mood and whatnot. Yeah. Poor diet has been associated with, I don't know, being a, more depressed or lack of serotonin and so on but it doesn't affect somebody who's like you know if you give somebody who's autistic a granola bar they're not going to suddenly be like oh okay i'm cured i'm sorted do you see what i'm saying it just doesn't work that way that's not how the brain works but unfortunately there is a lot of this nonsense flying around and it's very important to know what source to go to so is there any sources maybe that you would want to give a shout out to or something just to if somebody Um, wants to find out about it i would definitely look at what's posted under hashtag actually autistic because that's Mm. a lot of the people who post they're autistic people who study like psychology they study autism (laughs) and they they talk at events like like that the national autistic society does and other organizations do and that a lot of what they're saying is more accurate than some of the books you may even get like on amazon or Mm. in waterstones or whatever yeah i mean i guess like um you know if you just look at people who have some sort of uh, neurodevelopmental issue of any kind 
throughout generations. I mean, you know, it's not very long ago where, as you said, they were just locking people up in mm. asylums and just leaving All the people there. witches back in the day. That was, yes, that was the one. I mean, yeah. in certain societies as well, it's like, you know, if you've got yeah, any yeah. kind of mental health issue, they'll yeah. say it's a gin, they'll say you're a witch, they'll say this, they'll say that, but it's like, it's just wrong. Do you know what I mean? At what point, yeah. at, at what point do we move past all of this bullshit and just actually get facts? But it's like um, in Nazi Germany, they were experimenting on twins. Like, twins yeah. are twins. Like, there's nothing. Exactly. I mean, it's, it all falls under, as you said, like the eugenics movement of there being a specific type of, you know, person that is better than another person. And, you know, this is the right way to behave. That's the wrong way to behave. I mean, who's to say, yeah. really? Yeah. So there is like a, a, a eugenic slash racial undertone to all of this as well, I guess. Yeah, and then it, it links... It, it links in as well with um I, I there's a book I read about um religion and this disability and like mm. that you sinned if you're disabled or like you've got something wrong with it. even like my counsellor, she has something wrong with her back and people think that she sinned at church and it's like I mean come on. <laughs> she's got she's got problems with her back. <laughs> that's crazy man. <laughs> yeah, he meant to he meant to pray for that stuff, not not denounce people because they've got a back problem. But yeah, like I feel you need to teach the kids. I need to make you know how um, people, if you're like um, homosexual, people would use slurs. Yeah. Uh, do you feel people use autism as a slur? Like, because I know in the yeah, gaming there community. That, there was that autistic challenge on TikTok. Oh, what? Really? Like, what? Yeah, what? people were like pretending to be autistic or like pretending oh, to have seizures right. or they were fully in autistic kids on, on TikTok and it took like two, three weeks for them to actually ban it. Mm. Oh what? my God. See, this is why people is don't like TikTok, man. It's like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm for it getting deleted, you know. I'm actually for it. If this is off topic, the thing is, I'm there, there's good stuff on it, but then there's these uh, stupid things. So I mean, I saw yeah. one the other day where a girl was doing like a POV camera thing and she had like a tear in her eye, and it, the caption was like, Me pretending to be okay with my, uh, you know, black friend being uh, abused during the civil rights movement or something. Like, it was something dumb like that. And I was just like, What the fuck is this? It was just. What is <laughs> Yeah, seriously, it's like a meme now. It's become a meme and it's going yeah, around. It but well, that's it's, it's... going to the whole social networking effect. And oh, it's just... oh. my friend actually would be someone good to talk to about that. He he researches it in America and he's really okay. into like how people drop use us them beats. Media. We want yeah, to drop yeah. them. We, we want need, to speak to them for sure. We need those beats. We're looking at sweet, sweet beats. That being said, though, like, uh, just it, it, we can do this quickly if you'd like, but uh, or expand on it as much as you like. But with with like social media, mm. how do you feel navigating through social media? Somebody with autism, and uh, you know, when you see stuff like that with the thing on TikTok, I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I just, I think I'm at the point where I just, I just kind of roll my eyes, I'm like, just fucking stupid, basically. Yeah. But yeah. I think yeah. when I was younger, social, I didn't quite understand social media, maybe the dangers of it, and I didn't really know how to. I was so desperate to try and make friends because I felt like I didn't have friends. So I just kind of threw myself into the world of the internet. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I have an online relationship with someone who lives in America? Like there's all these things that just, when I look back, mm. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? But I didn't know any better. And when I look at the, some of the newer literature about autism, it now, it, it, that feeds right into it. But back then no one was talking about those sort of things. Um, but to be fair, every person I'm really close with, I've met online and it has, in a way it has been helpful because it's another way to reach people who are more like you, but there are dangers to it as well. I, I guess it is a double-edged sword. Like, you know, it, it can go either way, really. 
definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's like anything, like you've got to use it properly and and have the right guidance, otherwise it can be abused. Like anything can be abused. Chocolate can be abused, but it can be delicious as well. So, mm. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? Like don't give it to your dog. It's it's very bad. Yeah, yeah, just don't give it to your dog. <laughs> But back to the like the kids calling names like let's not forget we were kids once and like even if I had yeah. to admit like when I was younger maybe I, I you know I used to call people oh that's gay um, yeah. or yeah. even to be honest I used the word retarded and stuff like that but like where, I'm I'm trying to look back and see ask myself where does it stem from like, mm. I can't quite I'm put my sure it was other people saying it and then like we started doing it and then yeah. but and it, but then it probably cut it probably originally stems from someone whose parents don't teach them any better. And then yeah. you start copying it, and then it just that's true. Just, Look, I'll, I'll put it this way: my parents don't even know English, so you know they they didn't teach me those words or anything. But it's when yeah. you see other kids do it, peer and pressure, and so on, too. and movies. You know, as we mentioned, like there's movies out there which t- touch on these topics, but the way they do it is just ridiculous. Where it's like, yeah. if you're autistic, you're either a super genius or you're unable to function in movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's with with gay characters. You're either incredibly flamboyant, or you're like this creepy guy. But they, you know, <laughs> you can be gay and just be a regular person. Like, what what does that even mean? You don't have to have be on yeah. the extreme ends of the spectrum. So it's like, it's it, I guess that sort of thing is massive. And to try and tackle that, it takes yeah, a lot of hard. steps. It's hard because people are like, oh, right, you own you own your own home and you have a job and you work full time and you have a fiance and it's like, yeah, like I can do these things. Like and I can look after myself. Like I don't, I don't yeah, need a carer. You're supposed to like cower away in fear, like Nosferatu <laughs> yeah. or something in the shadows. Like it, you know, it, it doesn't affect your life that you know to that yeah. extent. Yeah, like, I like am Aaron. very autistic, but <laughs> I can still function. Like yeah, it must be frustrating to hear people say, "But you've got this, but you've got that," and you're just like, "Can you just shut up and <laughs> let me just advocate the rights and what I want for people who are like me." Yeah, and it's just I, I see like at my old job there were young people and they they have a disability and they just all they want is to be normal and it's like mm. there's nothing wrong with you you're fine how you are. Like, I, I guess it's about changing the definition of what normal is. Yeah, yeah. you're not abnormal just because you have autism or just because like I don't want to talk to people sometimes just because you see a kid who's uh, you know who has autism who doesn't you know really socialize with people that doesn't necessarily mean that they're abnormal. That's a normal behavior for me as well. I've never been diagnosed with anything like that. Doesn't mean that. Yeah. We should automatically label them as abnormal and tell them you have to change and you need to. If you don't feel comfortable yeah. doing something, just don't do it. Yeah, but I think it's just people's views. It's like my, one of my friends, like she, she's gone to uni, she has a job, she has kids, she has a house, car, everything. And she's got cerebral palsy. And she, she went to Legoland and someone was like, oh, you can't go on a ride about a carer. But this is a grown woman who has two kids, a husband, all of it. Exactly, yeah. And there's nothing, yeah, it's just... Do you ever find... I, I, you know do you ever find where people are when you say to them oh you know i have autism they automatically become like um Different. oh do you need anything do you need like do, do, is that annoying to you i mean i, I would think I that can, would be annoying, i find but... it it's annoying but i find it kind of funny because it's just yeah. like because then i don't ask for anything and they find it they're really like on the edge but mm. if i need something i'll tell someone like i i want people to know i have autism because i want people to see it's very like i'm living like a perfectly fine life I don't need support I don't yeah don't need someone doting on you I guess the whole time yeah like I can be left at home alone like I'm not gonna like destroy the house or yeah, yeah. or something. I don't know like <laughs> it is weird I don't know why people I mean I guess my but initial think... reaction would be like that as well 
but I think you know, it's a good I, thing. Like, like uh, to be honest, it's like it's, I, I know like it's an overreaction, but there is a positive overreaction. I, I'd rather that like in society than people dismiss being dismissive, like um, yeah. you know, being extra helpful. Yeah, it's not necessary, but maybe they don't fully understand like your needs, but they're trying. It's coming from a good side of their heart. Yeah, I yeah. just I know for me I don't really mind, but I know other people they do find it um quite offensive because they feel like they're making them seem more disabled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, yeah, I mean, if you, if a few times somebody does that, you'll be like, yeah, you know, they it's coming from a nice place, but I guess if that's mm. something that's constantly happening to you, eventually you're gonna be like, man, just fuck off. Like I don't want to deal with all of this. Just leave me alone. Like. You know, you don't need to dote over me. If I need something, I'll tell you, you know, I have a mouth. You're an adult. Yeah. As you said, you're an adult. You're a functioning adult. You have you have everything, uh, you know, on track. I think, uh, to be honest with you, you function better than I do. I mean, I, I'm nowhere near as, you know, well-organized in my life. I'll be entirely <laughs> yeah. honest with you. So it's like... Oh, nice haircut. I want to know that. Aaron's got a very nice haircut. Yeah, that's the one thing I can do is go and get someone to cut my hair. But that's, that's my... I'm not, you know, I'm not... I wouldn't determine myself to be like a high-functioning individual. And I mm. guess if you're somebody like, you know, like yourself, who can do everything for themselves and you're constantly being doted over and patronised, it can get annoying. Yeah, like there will be things I can't do, but then like everyone keeps like laughing because I literally planned our entire wedding in like a month and a half. Where yeah, there you go, say. <laughs> but then I can't, that I maybe can't do something minutes. really simple. <laughs> I can't even plan a birthday. Like, never yeah. mind the wedding. <laughs> it's really easy. I, I feel like doing it as a job because it was really simple. A wedding planner. Yeah, man, if this if is something you're very good at, it's worth it. There's no money in it because of Corona, though. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, By the way, guys, uh, weddings are cut down from 30 to 15. So if you have any yeah. more than 15, then you're getting fined. So don't do it. Just letting you know now. And Zoom weddings are rubbish as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I attended one and it was frozen the whole time. So I didn't oh, see anything. No. You know what? Let's, let's go into that. Like, well, what's, what's your Zoom wedding? <laughs> what, what's the idea for you? I, I don't have a dream. I'm not, I wasn't really. I don't, You're a bridesmaid. I, I've never been a bridesmaid, before, a bridesmaid before, but I've got my sister as a bridesmaid and my, um, my fiance's oh. sister and my soon-to-be like sister-in-law. She's going to also yeah. be one. But I, it's more for my partner and his family because, they want mm. us to get married. If it was up to me, I would just like elope and take really nice pictures in some random country. Mm, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's, and I'd probably spend all that money on getting a house and moving from this flat. But yeah, it's important. Priorities, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but weddings are expensive. It, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You make what's, like, what's the biggest cost? Um, Which one really pissed you off? Feed, it's feeding people. Oh damn, man! Yeah. If you come to my one, you're getting small biscuit and soft drink. Nothing. You know, like in pri- in primary school, you got that milk and uh, what's that chocolate biscuit called? The bourbon. That's all. Oh, it's my favorite. Milk or juice? That's not juice. Milk or squash? Now you gotta get them Robinsons ones where you dilute it with water, and you know that way you can pass it out to more people in it. Yes, Evan. That's called squash. Oh, is that squash? No way. Oh, okay. This yeah, the language barriers. I'm being picked on for the language barrier here. Do you see? Like, we all have our struggles. We all have our struggles. So, is it like what kind of wedding? Is it like a traditional English wedding? Or I guess I don't. I don't, I don't even see myself as being English half the time. We're not having a Sri Lankan wedding because we yeah, don't yeah. want to invite 600 people mm. that we don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but we're just like just standard like wedding, I guess. 
Yeah, but so that yeah. is something that you're comfortable with, like you are. You are happy. I'm dreading. I'm dreading having to walk in front of all these. Even though it's like a hundred people, I'm dreading that. Hopefully have you found that? Have you found that people around you are like, you know, supportive and understanding of at least that aspect of it, where you're like, you know, look, this is making me anxious. I don't really. More so since I got the diagnosis. Even though from before that I was like, I'm autistic. I'm autistic. Now I've got mm. it on paper. They're like, oh yeah, she's autistic. Okay, she doesn't like social situations. <laughs> Even my partner's mum, she was like, she, she she's going to meet um his brother's girlfriend. And she was like, I realised I made a mistake with you that I invited you to a family party the first time I met you. So I'm not doing yeah. that with her. Mm. And it, at least she recognised it later on. Yeah, it's growth, it's like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Was that ever frustrating for you? Like before you got the official diagnosis where you were already saying that, look, I have this, I am autistic, but they wouldn't kind of maybe believe you or they would think, you know, maybe it wasn't yeah. a thing. Yeah. Like, in, I mean, in the autistic community that I'm kind of part of, I guess, self-diagnosis is still valid, but there's something about getting that piece of paper that just, I don't know, it just... Had that extra I weight, I guess. On, yeah, I just sat on the sofa the rest of the day and cried because I was just in shock that I'd got a diagnosis finally and I've been mm. waiting for that. Like, I mean, I was thinking, like, how would maybe, like, school be different or other things that have happened in my life? Like, would certain things have happened with certain... Like, I know with one of my ex-boyfriends, um, like would that whole situation have happened or would maybe my family have realized that it was a bad situation and kind of taken me out of it or stopped mm. me getting into it at all? Like there was just little things like that where I started to really think about it and think if only someone had diagnosed me like when I was a child. It's like the knock on effect of, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to call it negligence because I understand that there is like, you know, financial issues, you know, funding and so yeah. on, but it does feel almost negligent to, basically yeah, force think, someone to go through private to get the diagnosis that's ridiculous because yeah. what if you don't have the money for private then what it's, it's ridiculously expensive but i think as well one thing that i've noticed with people that i've spoken to a lot of autistic people and actually a lot of neurodiverse people who especially with girls they will have been like abused or groomed or something like that because they're so vulnerable in, mm. in social situations and it's so common so then there's that added trauma and then they haven't had their diagnosis and it's just a mess it kind of feeds into the whole social media aspect of thing. I mean, we as uh, as kids were, you know, very vulnerable. And some, most of us, if we look back at the stuff that we posted and done online, we're like, oh, crap, I never should have done that. But, you know, yeah. when you think about the extra added layer of vulnerability, then you're thinking, you know, something, there's some safeguarding needs to be taking place. People need to get these diagnoses at an earlier age so that yeah. they don't have to go through these things that you've just mentioned. I mean, it for me it's negligence i think it's very negligent regardless of the financial situation regardless of all of that it's mm. very negligent that we're not allowing people to get these diagnoses that they need but and, also you know, if you look at social private. prescribing if people did those things and like gave people the diagnosis in the first place there wouldn't be such a strain maybe on mental health services or on other services because it would have solved a lot of problems at the start and other support and in interventions would have been put in place at the start and that's what most of the local authorities are trying to do is socially prescribe things. So I don't, I don't see why it's not seen as a priority for any like disability or mental health difficulties. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were talking about, you know, drug abuse in the previous episode and it was like, mm. you know, if, if steps were taken to ensure that people got the help that they needed, then it would be a less of a strain on other departments. So you would actually end up saving money if anything, if you were mm. to just invest a little bit more now on the long term, you would end up actually saving money for yourself, the NHS and everyone else. Yeah. For someone who's listening, that's thinking, Oh, you know, like her experience is similar to my experience. Like how can they l find out more? 
about this? Starting off with actually autistic hashtag is the best place to start. And then from there, like just looking at the National Autistic Society, maybe looking at your local authority, seeing if they do have anything. And a lot of them don't, but I'm, I'm happy for people to email me if they want me to signpost and for things. I can send you my, I'm, I'm working on it still, but I'm making um, a Trello board where it's got different resources and pages with, which can give support to autistic people. It's, it's still a work in progress, but it has stuff for mental health. It has stuff to do with COVID. It has stuff to do with like podcasts and YouTube mm-hmm. videos that might be helpful, books, um, stuff to do with employment, volunteering, just to make sure that everything that someone could need is in one place. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely promote that. And when it's finished again, we'll promote it again. Um, yeah, we'll put the link in the bio of this of this episode as well. Um, yeah. You know, when we have the link and whatnot. Uh, would you mind us maybe putting your app into the thing or um, yeah that's fine yeah is that right yeah. Uh, but we can put that on i guess and yeah as you said look at local authorities and whatnot try to get information yeah. and uh, i know yeah. um the autism hub they will um support people if they will support out of fire if they can it's obviously not as simple but mm. if i if there's someone struggling like i will try and support them basically thank you very much for coming on that was very it's useful okay. that was very helpful it's okay thanks for inviting me and for the for the listeners you know if you like this like press like share whatever if you know anyone that's interested in neurodiversity on learning more about autism please share it with them uh it helps us a lot as well and yeah thank you very much jade uh, steve why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand you that was bloody brilliant no, Aaron's the rambler. He's like the old man on the show, you know. He just yeah. keeps talking. <laughs> Always complaining. Balcony watching people walk past all day. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, an old, I'm an old soul, innit? I like to complain. My bad. Oh, geezer. Do you, like, do, you, do you go on Facebook frequently? I look at it, but it's generally just to, like, tag my sister and stuff. That's the thing. I never go on it, but whenever I do, I'm just like, oh, this person's pregnant. This person's done this. It's, like, it's just really weird seeing people from, like, it's school weird, or what yeah. they're up to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got kids. I feel like everyone's got kids apart from me, and I'm like, same, am I same. behind? <laughs> everyone's got like ten kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. I got ten. Aaron's <laughs> looking so fine. Look how fine Aaron's looking. Look how fine Aaron. You looking how, sharp, bro. Fine, Come on, man. man. Come on, man. <laughs> bro, I went. Fine, fam, I went to the barber. Yeah. Donnie was like, um, he was cutting my hair so quick. I was like, bro, he's gonna give me a fat bull that he was just cutting it bare quick. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I closed my eyes. And I'm like, I'm gonna let him do whatever. He is. <laughs> I, I just closed my eyes and said, whatever I wake up looking like, I wake up looking like. But he done alright. Just... Because bro, um... they lo- they low key they low key treating Dan like slave labor though. I can't even front. That, that's um... that, there's something about that that makes me feel uncomfortable. I can't like this. <laughs> I applied for Turtle Bay, you know. I felt so shit. I felt like a coon. You applied for Turtle Bay. They were going to put Dan at the entrance with fake dreads going, uh, you know, <laughs> bomber clots, guys. <laughs> Come on in. Um, Bro, old age <laughs> is so weird. My dad has become obsessed with squirrels because they keep taking the, the fucking nuts from the tree in our garden. <laughs> so the other day, yeah, all I see is a log flying across my thing, my, uh, my garden. A log, just a huge oh, log, just flying across. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I go outside, my man's throwing a log, trying to hit a squirrel in another tree, two gardens down. I'm like, you realise if there's someone in that garden, they're going to get hit on the head and then we're going to get fined and sued. Bro, that's so funny, man. That's I'm like, what true. are you doing? Don't you dare do that. And he's getting yeah. better. I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking kill the squirrel. He's throwing the thing. I'm like, relax. That was bloody brilliant.